0: Hello, and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar, and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Okay, so I, I know I just sent you that Paul Graham essay, right?
1: Yeah, you did.
0: Um... And I meant to actually send that to you earlier because it's been something that has been on my mind for a little while, uh, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it because while I do think that Paul Graham is a very very sharp guy, uh, he writes a lot of essays that i'm I'm a big fan of um this seemed a little bit more like uh well okay so i'll, I'll do the I'll do the background on it so basically we're uh, uh i think i'm I'm referencing the um the Paul Graham essay called Top of Mind. And in it, he basically talks about how uh, that unique phenomena that's, uh, I think in psychology, they call it the breakthrough moment or the aha moment or something like that. Like that's the colloquial term for it. Um, And, uh, and basically, when you're in the shower, you end up having thoughts about like, a problem that you're trying to solve or something that's cropping up in your day. And wherever your thoughts are drifting to, that's the thing that's really top of mind. So similarly, like if you're going to sleep at night or something and right before you're actually getting tired or anything, you're thinking about something. And whatever that thing is, it's really on top of mind. And so what Paul Graham says in his essay is he uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's a serial like startup guy. He's known for Y Combinator, which is basically like the... uh, what, what do they call that? An incubator for uh, startups?
1: I think it's incubator.
0: It's it's called an incubator, right? Where it's you basically get guide guidance and mentorship from other startup folks, and so there's like several startups all working together.
1: I think that's, that's called, what it's called.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's called an incubator. Um, so, uh, and that's ultimately what you and I should be doing. Let's forget making our own product. It's like we should really just be. <laughs> We should really just be taking in people even younger than us telling us how to do stuff and then make 10% off all of them. But that's a whole different thing. Uh, But so what he was saying in the essay basically is like that he was very good at problem solving and doing all these things that were actually very necessary for the startup. But then as soon as it came down to you know, fundraising or making money for the startup, that would then be the only thing that was on his mind. And he was no longer a good asset for the business for like creative problem solving on the product or on the service or anything like that. Because now all that was at the top of his mind was the fundraising piece of it. So he would just be, you know, all he could do was solve problems on the fundraising and the money side, but he actually wasn't useful in, you know, fixing the product or getting it to the next level or anything like that. And so... I think essentially what he's saying is something that's very similar to uh, what's going on in psychology fairly recently and neuroscience, which is basically the idea that multitasking is uh, bad, evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Like multitasking, basically like the the psychologists of today are basically saying that multitasking doesn't really exist multitasking is you being distracted and not giving your full cognitive attention to any one thing and so you're actually reducing your output or your you know whatever. Now, whether or not that's actually true, I I don't know. You know what you know what I mean? But but so that's kind of what what I wanted to pick your brain about today because you used to hold basically all the responsibilities of Elephant Scout. Right? right. Like like you used to be both like, or not both, but you used to be writing your own features. You'd be directing your own features. You'd be marketing your own features. You'd be looking for venues to do events at and stuff like that, or like scouting events. You'd be casting, you'd be, you know, all this different kind of stuff. Um, And now to some degree or another, maybe a little less now because of COVID times, but you started developing a team and kind of having, not people like not reporting to you. That's kind of the wrong the wrong phrase. But like you you started a decentralized command, right? Like you had I, I, right.
1: I started to delegate some tasks to other people right. to lighten the load,
0: right? So what I kind of wanted. to – I mean, just from a general sense, just from a general sense, you know, have you felt that you maybe were overburdened uh, when you started and you were kind of just doing everything individually? Or, and, and here's kind of the thing that, you know, I, how this kind of pertains to me, is that I have a really hard time giving out parts of ownership. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh-huh. I like to own the whole task and the whole project because then I can know that it's being done to a certain standard. I also know that my kind of vision is, like, I have integrity to the vision and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, just from the basics, do you feel like you were multitasking effectively back when you were just doing all this stuff yourself? And do you think that that's improved by getting a team or or what are your thoughts surrounding that?
1: I think the, the part about delegating tasks is you have to have the right team members on board to actually live up to your expectations. It's kind of like when um, Dave Grohl started Foo Fighters (laughs) and he spent forever uh, trying to find a drummer. Because he's uh-huh. like the greatest drummer in the world, apparently. Dave Grohl. So yeah, because uh-huh. he used to be uh, Nirvana's drummer. Nirvana's drummer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he spent a long time trying to find a drummer to mm. live up to his expectations of what a drummer should be, because mm. of what he brought to the table uh, in in Nirvana. So that's that's something I didn't really think about when I was first bringing on people to the team. Yeah, yeah. Just like I have a a, a a standard that that needs to be met by whomever comes on board,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so if someone can meet that level on their own, that means I can actually let go of it just a little bit. I can yeah. set them in the right direction, and I know they'll get to where I want them to be in uh any amount of time that we set the set amount of time. But the flip side of it is like there's people you want to work with that just kind of suck. They're like well-intentioned. They're fun people to be around, but they kind of suck at doing whatever job you need them to do. And it's just frustrating because like you want to work with them, but then you end up working twice as hard because you get to show them what needs to be done. And then they never really take their own initiative or they're not really self-motivated to, they're not as invested in the grand scope of things because in your head, it's the most serious thing in the world, but to them it's just something fun to do on the side
0: right exactly that and that was something that i recently that was a very recent development for flow roll in, in a sense was that uh i was talking to a really close friend of mine and they're just excited of the idea of doing something outside of the nine to five you know right. what i mean like they're just excited to have like some kind of project or something like that so the idea of working on something like that was was really interesting but i or or like of interest basically but i could tell that they were already not kind of the right fit for what I was looking for because they were excited about all kinds of stuff that is down the road going to be applicable for sure, but not something that's of any use to me right now. And their singular focus on it was what kind of what made me think that this wasn't going to be a good partnership because they were just really excited about the e-commerce side of it. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I actually know a lot about Shopify and, and stuff like that, and which is great because that certainly is something that I'll need to figure out and all that kind of stuff. But it seemed not appropriate to bring that into the mix right now because it's like that's not something that I'm focused on at the moment. Like it's not, it's not an area – that, so it's like I know I knew that this person wouldn't actually be interested in doing the day to day stuff that I'm doing now, which is like basically running a lab out of my kitchen, <laughs> uh, and like you know trying to basically build up a long standing like I want I'm trying to do stuff by the month now. So like build formulations by the month and then that way because i'm i'm standardizing now like i'm i'm keeping everything where it's at for the time being Uh and just seeing how how it pans out from here so uh so it's like i could tell that this person wasn't going to be interested in kind of the rote like day-to-day annoying work that goes along with this and would definitely be like a good asset you know later but uh maybe not for the time being yeah so I just didn't want to invite somebody in on a project that I knew that they weren't going to be that interested in.
1: Right. But I do agree with the the notion of you can't really multitask. I do feel like, like right now I'm supposed to be helping my friend finish his feature film. Mm-hmm. And we're also writing this podcast. And we're starting to record episodes now. Mm-hmm. So it's like three major things happening. And next Friday, I have a script due for an entire episode as well as uh, a bit of another episode and at have that, have the first episode recorded so I can get it to the editor
0: of the podcast of
1: the podcast. Right. Oh, geez. And we haven't even touched his feature film in like f- four weeks. So oh, it's kind of like, that's the thing that's kind of, uh, you know, it's being pushed back a bit, but it's fine. But at
0: the same time, it's like, we can't do it all. Well, that, well, that's even, that's even more extreme though. Don't you think? Because that's multitasking across multiple different projects. Well, like there's one,
1: there's two big projects. So there's the podcast and then there's the feature film. But the podcast has so many layers that are so, uh, you could, d- you know, define them as individual products, uh, projects for sure. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's, uh, that, the podcast is where we have the team.
0: Yeah, no, that's, so that was kind of my thought because I think there was a time even when people put on their resumes that they were an excellent multitasker. Like, I don't think that was that long ago.
1: No, I, I think I do think that's, yeah, uh, a, a, yeah, it's like a recent skill that people had to put on their resume. Just because I think it's also uh, dependent on like the nature of uh, corporate America right now.
0: Oh, sure, 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 sure. I mean,
1: I mean, I, I assume you know, back in the '60s, everyone had a single, a singular job; but they only did one thing. Right. And over time, with budget cuts and uh, we need to make more money, so we have to spend less. So let's overwork our employees, like the jobs have just been piling on for people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why that is uh, appealing to like nine to fivers, someone that's good at multitasking. But in actuality, I think if you're just working for yourself, you should kind of focus a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's sort of the thing is that I, uh, I catch myself like, when i when i get too worried about too many different things all at the same time then it's like i'm not effectively doing any one of those things because on the one hand i'm like oh man i really want to nail down a formulation because then everything after that isn't so like product heavy lift it's just it's just like it, now now it's how do we set up a business? How do we do things like that? Like, I want to get myself out of this phase where I'm, I'm just developing product, developing product and like buying a bunch of weird powders on the internet and putting them all into capsules and stuff like that. Like I want to get over that part. Uh But, um, as soon as I start thinking about the other stuff, then I end up not putting any time and attention to that. Like the notes that I was taking over qualitative information was suffering. Like, uh, Luckily, I created that standardized um, like survey that I'm still sort of tweaking. But um, that at least was a good help to like get reputable data and stuff like that. But it's just sort of one of those things that I I found that when I try and do everything or when I try and think of everything and write down uh, basically my plan across different modalities, I end up doing them all shitty.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Because it's like I'm not really doing one thing. I'm doing like six things, but I'm doing them all bad. Uh Uh-huh. Or poorly, basically. Right.
1: I do think there is also, it reminds me of uh, your favorite James Bond, Daniel Craig. Oh, yes. Like after every time he does uh, a James Bond movie, he would do a press tour. Mm-hmm. And he was he was always saying he was going to quit James Bond. This was his last one. Yeah. And he. Uh, it's because uh, you're basically asking a marathon runner at the end of a race when they're running the next one. It's like, oh, I just got done running 26
0: miles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, it's, give it's a, true. Give me
1: a second to, to figure this out. So that's what it's like doing each of your individual tasks. Like it takes a lot out of you when you're trying to figure it out, when you're trying to build your formula, when you're trying to build your marketing plan, your business plan, anything that you're like, it takes a lot out of you and trying and thinking to yourself, it's like, oh, I could take a break after the next one. I think... uh is a little self-destructive.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just one of those things that, you know, I uh, and also I'm not doing my best work if I'm thinking about something else, like if I'm really trying to do my best work with it, because to be honest with you, a lot of what this like formulation build out is or what it, what it was for me was doing research on all of the kind of ingredients that are typically used in nootropic formulas, particularly the ones that I already like, then learning about the different kind of synergies that occur because with different interactions, you get different effects out of different interactions, basically. So then doing research into that, then doing kind of personal research. And I'm saying that in quotes, because by personal research, I mean, I bought a bunch of stuff and then put it all together and started taking it personally. So that's, that's research, so to speak. Um, but that's all really hindered when, you know, I start to think about like uh, th- things like, you know, and that like building a uh, platform for people to buy stuff on uh, competitive Intel. Like when I was looking at that Instagram account that came up for brain fuel or whatever, uh-huh. with all the weird accent marks all over it and uh, like stuff like that. It it pre- it precludes me from actually like I get um what is that called when uh it's like a form of procrastination when the task ahead seems so large so you just start to not do it?
1: Procrastination?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that too, uh but I think it's called something specifically. I don't know. Mm. Well, so to put it in short, you are you agree that that you know multitasking isn't really a thing. So do you think it's pretty essential to start a team or do you think things are doable as a team of one?
1: I guess it depends on your approach, your like your timeline, your your product, your business. Mm-hmm. I guess it all depends on that. Mm-hmm. If um, so, like with this podcast, I definitely wanted more people to be writers on it yeah. because it just is going to take forever to write something. But so we have three writers because we wanted to be done by January, mm-hmm. and we started a couple months ago, and we have two episodes written with eight on the the schedule. So it's oh, like wow. we're we're falling a little behind.
0: On oh, the writing sure.
1: part but but we're, we had to learn how to re, like how to write this type of uh podcast it, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, a it's it's a different medium it's a different medium yeah it's yeah. way different so it was like we were learning something new but now that we have it figured out hopefully we can crank these out and keep the quality pretty high so but if you're let's say you're doing your your product you know what's most important with your product it's probably the formulation right right you don't I mean, have that, the formulation the yeah. yeah and the effectiveness and the The cost of it like giving getting all those numbers figured out and once you have that figured out then you can you can plot out your your train stops basically to get to flow roll on Shopify. Yeah, Squarespace website.
0: Well, exactly. And that was sort of the thing. And that's kind of why I'm prioritizing this side of it. And you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's like the part that's important to me is actually at this juncture in time isn't about like margin analysis, because to be honest, I haven't really done that because Mm -hmm. I'm going to worry about what I'm going to charge for this product when I have a stable product. Like it just, it doesn't matter as much to me to, to figure that part out until I have this kind of first step or this formulation step done like it. So, but I kind of get bogged down in those, those level of details. um, When I think about like actual viability, because when I'm buying stuff in bulk, like I currently am, it, It does come into my mind that I'm like some of these like there's one particular item that um, is more expensive than all the rest. And so I consider sometimes that it's It's like the
1: uh, the gold flakes you're putting in.
0: Right. It's Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's the 24-karat uh, gold flakes that uh. just give it this great appearance. You know, it doesn't do anything functionally, but it looks really nice.
1: You're, you're trying to make the Goldschlager of supplements.
0: Yeah, the, <laughs> exactly, the Goldschlager of supplements. Uh, but but it's like I do consider the possibility that I might want to – so it does kind of have this backwards feedback because even though I'm not worried about margins right now on, on anything, I do notice that like when I'm restocking all of my – Uh, base ingredients to do it uh, that I come up with the idea that I might want to cut this ingredient out or see if I can get the same effect or something like that. Or like I want to test against how much uh, I actually need that product in there, that specific ingredient in there, because it's the one that's running up the total. So it's the one that's going to be running up the the cost per unit of each of these uh, supplements that I put out. Right. And so that's kind of the thing that then I realized that maybe it is really beneficial to have a team or something like that because it, it it's it's kind of jamming me up and it's causing me to hit the brakes. But if I think about it, there are two people that I look at who kind of have done the same thing that I'm doing uh, ahead of me. There's uh, Tim Ferriss, who you're uh-huh. familiar with, right? Yep. And like he, he put it – I never thought that I'd be like following this model because I remember kind of reading it in uh, – Four-hour work week? Yeah, probably. Yep. I remember reading it in four-hour work week and thinking like, huh, that's kind of – that's a odd way to do things or whatever where basically he says that he outsourced all of his work. Uh-huh. But um, like that's the secret to a four-hour work week. <laughs> um, but, but he also made a supplement basically and he uh, outsourced the manufacturing of it entirely to China. So it's like the thing is – is that that's the that's where I'm committing most of my time right now especially given that covid has shut down uh, or is going to shut down our gyms like very soon uh-huh so so it's like given that it's like the part that I'm uh kind of putting all my eggs into so to speak is the part that he completely outsourced and so even as an individual he got other people to do a facet of the job. Like if we look at the job from start to finish as like formulating a product, uh, get labeling it and packaging it, putting it out on stores, marketing, advertising, and then the actual like commerce, the transactional commerce part of it. He took, uh, the formulation side and autumn or like outsourced it. Then he took the commerce side of it, the transactional side of it, and made it available on a website. So he automated it. So Uh really, he was only focused on this small area, this like small tract of land, basically, in between those two items, which was about uh, ingredient formulation and then about salesmanship. Like that was the narrow avenue that he chose. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of when I was reading this Paul Graham essay and I was like kind of thinking back to that. And then this guy, Nick Bear, did the exact same thing. He was stationed in Korea. He was in in the army at the time. And he started a supplement company and had it manufactured overseas as well. So he also didn't do the formulation part of it. He knew people who were formulation scientists and he got them to do it. And then he was just focused on the sales and marketing of it. So he kind of made this narrow pathway for himself. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm not in that kind of state and I'm not putting that kind of pressure on to like, Oh, I need to, I need to figure out, you know, which, but if I'm doing this formulation side of it, which I actually enjoy, it's it's Uh part of, you know, and it's like kind of this tweaking scientific, like feeling it out sort of thing. But I'm wondering if uh, you know, there's the Chris Scott method, which is to build out a team and delegate authority. But of course, it has to be a good team and it has to be quality people who are doing their, the right job and add something to it. Or then there's the Tim Ferriss kind of Nick Bear side to things where they instead just automate the process or uh, kind of outsource the work to a company that already does that process. And then they just focus on a narrower channel. So I'm wondering how... Like, what was the thing that made you decide that you needed more people, or like that you couldn't focus on the whole picture yourself? Like, when did that come around?
1: It uh, came around after the murder mystery night,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: just and it's another and it's something else that's happened to me. The older I've gotten, and it's kind of um, I don't want to say it's laziness, okay, but I think it's it's this uh, idea that. So I, I used to do a lot of, uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was younger and I was editing stuff, I would do right. all these cool, crazy graphic editing things for clients. Mm-hmm. And it would take forever to make them. You'd get into After Effects, you'd animate text, you'd do whatever the, you had to do to make it look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to do that now, I would not do that at all. I would go on a website and I would buy a template, yeah. I would modify the template and then be done in 15 minutes versus okay. spending a, a day and a half on it. So but home building it, yeah. Right. So but but the idea is that it's um like how much of this work do I really need to be doing? I I just felt like I reached a point where I was I wasn't growing anymore from actually doing the work. Like Mm -hmm. I was I plateaued. And to grow from that, you need I I've figured I needed more support in doing these things that I spend way too much time doing on my own to actually take time to build up elephant scout a little bit more to take us to the next level and to do that, just needing that support in certain aspects to make that growth happen. So that's where I landed.
0: Yeah. See, and that's, that's sort of the thing is that what I do like about this, what what I'm basically hearing is that there was a period of time where doing these kind of complex graphics was giving you something though. Like it it was benefiting you at some point in time to do it.
1: I was like learning a- how to use the program better. I was using, learning how to animate better, how to do graphics better. I was learning aesthetics and what, what looks best for clients. I was developing my own style mm-hmm. and my own taste as to put, as to what I would think is a good graphic.
0: R- okay. Yeah. See, perfect. That That's exactly actually kind of what I was getting at is that that's sort of where I land because I also considered the idea that it's like, well, we already know basically what goes into a good nootropic formula, like a lot of different companies have proprietary blends that they don't share what what's going in, but like the ones that do we all it's using very similar ingredients and they're they're popularized they're not it's not like this is this isn't like a secret ingredient or something that one person has that the rest of the world doesn't know it's like we all generally know right so what i was kind of considering and then while i was reading this paul graham essay because it's like okay well i know what's top of mind for me you know but i was considering the possibility that maybe i'm putting my attention on the wrong thing in the sense that you know well everyone else gets gets they outsource the formulation. They, right. they they get that done elsewhere. There's a lab somewhere that does it, you know, you get this much stock for, you know, whatever, whatever fees that they charge or hourly, maybe. I'm not sure. But what I'm kind of rationalizing against that is that, well, this gives me a very intimate product knowledge. Like it's it's sort of how um You know, you're not required to get tased uh, to to work at Taser or anything like that, but you do gain a very intimate knowledge of what the product is and how it functions and what it does when you (laughs) get uh, tased, uh, right? So to speak. Oh, that's that's something we can uh, maybe put on uh, some a little bonus uh, content for the for the subscribers. Yeah, Yeah, we
1: could just put that clip on it on loop.
0: Yeah, just put it's a it's a thirty second clip of me getting tased. We could just have that over ten minutes.
1: <laughs> Post it to the gram.
0: Post it to the gram. You know it. Uh, no, but but the point is, is like so. I kind of was rationalizing a way that I wanted to still be doing this formulation activity because it's giving me a very intimate knowledge of w- the ingredients that we use and why we use them and how it makes you feel and uh, like how an increase of this amount would matter or something like that you know like is that is that a dumb thing to think
1: uh when you think it yes <laughs> <laughs> no it's not a dumb thing to think uh, what i'm what i'm hearing from tim ferris and nick bear is it sounds like they are branding they're like themselves are the brand
0: oh yeah yeah very like I,
1: I don't know if tim ferris still makes a supplement or not
0: i doubt it i don't think so uh
1: i just looked up nick bear on the instagram and it looks like he's kind of promoting like he's a self-promoter like it's all about him, basically, which is He's, cool. He,
0: yeah. I mean, you got to say he is a marketing genius because he, he just exploded a brand. But it is more about the lifestyle than it is anything else.
1: And it seems like both of these supplements, whatever they made, are kind of generic is what I'm hearing. The, it's like, uh, hey, here's here's Ginkgo Biloba with my name on it. That's what it sounds like it is.
0: Right. Like, for instance, and, I, and I'm not knocking it at all. I think Nick Bear is great at business. He's also one of phenomenal athlete and all this kind of stuff but it's like when you look at his product line it's protein powder well we already know how that works we already like that's that's no secret you know it's like yeah you want it to taste a certain way but other than that it's um a pre-workout blend well, those are easy like everyone has the same you know or and then i think lastly he has uh some like green supplements And Uh it's just like every other green supplement. You know what I mean? So I think you're right. I I think it's because it's not trying to do something like I'm actively trying to blend two different product lines into a singular thing without having. uh,
1: Right. And it it also sounds like you're trying to formulate something for a a specific action. Right. You know, having a little bit of uh, a pump rage and maintaining flexibility and brain focus during a technical workout.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's 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 very specifically focused.
1: So I, I do think focus like you focusing on that aspect of your product is better than outsourcing it to some lab in China who probably has no idea what your end goal is.
0: Right, right. Okay, so so what they're, you're saying they're probably is maybe just they're, gonna
1: they're probably just gonna be like, this is the logical levels of this is what we do for everybody else. So this right. is probably what you want. And I don't think yeah. that's what you want.
0: No, yeah, and I'm specifically trying to do it in a way where I'm relying on I'm I'm trying to generate a stimulating effect without using typical central nervous system stimulants. So, right. you know, a- anything with caffeine or something like that. It's like I'm trying to keep all that stuff to a minimum, which is not the industry standard. Because the industry st- standard is, oh, you want to be like that's kind of how you uh, break away from the pack right now. Is what you're seeing. It's like oh, instead of like this middle ground, you know, hundred fifty milligrams caffeine, we're gonna do three hundred. Which is like your daily allotment in one scoop. So it's like that's insane. But uh but that's kind of the industry standard of how you break out of the pack right now is that you're just the most stimulating and you get people to feel crazy when you right, you know right. And that's not the direction that I'm trying to work in. And that's that's kind of why I have all this interest in formulation, because it's because it's uh very scientific and testable in a sort of way. It's like, it dictates how I feel that I perform when I'm at jujitsu and when I'm training and when I'm learning and all that kind of stuff. So for me, that's kind of where my interest lies. But then do you think it would behoove me to bring in somebody who thinks about the other stuff? Or do you think that that's, that's future state? It's like, why, why even load up your plate like that?
1: Um, so I don't know if you've ever been asked this question. And it's a really weird question. Okay. And I think it says a lot about you. Oh. All right. So how do you do this uh, when you wake up in the morning? Do you do sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Or do you do sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Uh,
0: well, to be honest with you, I rarely wear socks. But,
1: <laughs> but when you do but, wear socks.
0: Uh, it's always sock, sock, shoe, shoe.
1: Right. Because people that do sock, shoe, sock, shoe are insane.
0: Do, wait, right? do you know anybody who does sock, shoe, sock, shoe personally? I've only,
1: I've only asked like you, so I don't know. <laughs> but like to me, the idea of putting on a sock and a shoe is insane. Yeah. Like, like, like what happens if you have to run out the house and you only have a sock and a shoe on one foot and the other right. foot is bare? What's going on there? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's um, baby steps to get to the end product.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so
1: I wouldn't worry about that. And you can't really, like your first sock that you're going to put on is going to be your formulation. Yeah. And once you have that figured out, your second sock is going to be how are you going to manufacture it? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put on a shoe, and that shoe is going to be how are you going to market it? And yeah. the last sock is going to be how are you going to sell it?
0: How are you going to sell it? Okay. Yeah. That's uh, the, shoe. The, the Chris Scott sock shoe theory. I think the that's, sock
1: shoe theory, yes. Our, our new method is going to be brand yeah, the new. Yeah, sock shoe method.
0: Episode. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, because I forgot what task blasting was. Now we just have to come up with more stuff. So well, that's good.
1: Well, we'll revisit that one. But, but I do think there is this. Because that's why uh, when you meet people in, let's say, entrepreneur world or when I meet people at film mixers, everybody has an idea. Everybody mm-hmm. has a movie idea. They have a business idea.
0: Mm-hmm. But what
1: they don't have is the tenacity to stick with it and follow through with that idea to make it a, a thing. I meet a lot of screenwriters that want to that don't want to share their scripts that they've written because they're afraid people are going to steal that idea. Right, and so it's like no, people are not going to steal your idea. Like if you tell me, like your movie idea is about giant robots fighting in the ocean, Mm -hmm. like my story is going to be way different than your story. So Mm -hmm. like you 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 put your own little twist on whatever idea that you have, and you're you're the conductor of your train, and your train is taking your product from uh, idea to. Sale.
0: Execution. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and that's kind of what you mean by socks on first is that you do like one task basically at a time socks on first and then start. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, and I think what's going to happen is you're going to, let's say get to a level where flow roll really works really well. And so you're going to actually be able to bring people on board to, uh, I guess do like extreme passive income or they're just going to keep pushing that product. Yeah, And so other people are going to be on your sales team. They're going to be pushing the product. They're going to be doing cold calls to GNC if it's still around. Yeah, Uh, hopefully. And, uh, you know, push your product for you so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have people be in charge of watching your manufacturing and making sure orders are met and things are shipped on time. You're going to have someone to do that for you. And then if, you know, let's say it's going super well, you have time to kind of Take a breath for a minute and then maybe work on a new formula. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you can focus on the thing, uh, the part that you enjoy doing the most.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that way I don't have to be basically running uphill to do some other part of the job that maybe A, I wouldn't be doing as effectively and B, isn't really where my interest lies. Right.
1: And and I think there's this thing. I think of this. There's this uh, like thing in entrepreneurship and like uh, just America's dream, mm-hmm. basically, where you just have to do it all at once, or like you have to get it done now, right? And you have to constantly grow, and you have to be bigger every year. You have to just grow and grow and grow, right, right, and right. And it's, um, I think it's uh, that's what's kind of put everybody in a weird funk lately. Mm-hmm. It's like it's gotten to the point where only people at the top keep getting bigger, while people at the bottom just can't even uh, dream about reaching that level just because the gap is so wide yeah and i think just taking time to do it your way at your pace who cares if someone else thinks you should do shopify i mean you Mm -hmm. might just do it on i don't know in a a street fair who knows where you're gonna sell your stuff or at at a convention in vegas (laughs) yeah or or at all the jujitsu tournaments they're just gonna buy a booth and sell it there i mean
0: that that so these are all things that have have bounced around in my mind that's for sure
1: of course, and I think you should have those ideas, and I think you should write them down. Mm-hmm. But just, just you can't get there unless you have your formulation.
0: Yeah, and if yeah, yeah. you
1: want, if you want your formulation to be all you and all you control, then you focus on that and get that yeah. done. Then you can do all the fun stuff of figuring out everything else out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's really where I feel the most locus of control, right? Because ultimately, when you bring a product to market, it's like you can control 50% of it, maybe, which is like how you're positioning it and how you would like the verbiage around what you're selling and what you're pricing it at. But ultimately, how the market response is entirely kind of outside of your control. Like you, you have levers that you can pull, but you don't ultimately guide the action. So it's like this is really where I feel the locus of control and where I feel good about it, because then... You know, when I have my like basically five testers who who do stuff and like one of them was actually um we didn't I mean, it's like I didn't have anything necessarily to tie to it or it would have been all like super qualitative or something like that. But we actually uh, a, uh, a jujitsu tournament just happened here in Phoenix, uh-huh. which is like super it was everyone thought it was going to be canceled for good reason. Like it's it's a bad idea to do right now. It's a terrible idea right now. It's a super bad idea. So I didn't compete because I was like, that sounds sketchy to me, you know, (laughs) like I I don't want to get involved, but one of my testers um, or one of my like routine testers uh, competed. And so I was kind of tempted to, you know, do something, but I knew that I was like, this would be the action of multitasking too much and stuff Uh like that. Because already I was kind of thinking like, what a great PR opportunity. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, what what a great opportunity to just have something like it didn't, it didn't have to be anything. I don't have to be selling right there because a, I don't have the product B uh, I don't have anything like packaged in a good way. C it's like, I can't even reputably say that it'll give the effects that are stated. It's like it does for me and it's been doing pretty well for the testers that I've had recently, but there's still a lot of stuff that we have to tweak with it because Specifically, um, one of my testers didn't tell me recently that he had had like three cups of coffee before coming to practice. Okay. And then when we gave him the supplement, it was just like way too intense. Like right. he, he got pretty sick. E- yeah. So, so. Did you die? Did you kill No, 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 no. <laughs> he just, he just had too much of a, like, um, like, have you ever had, like had way too much coffee?
1: I, I, I don't i guess it depends on the type of coffee if i have like a coffee from like a different like roaster or something like that mm-hmm. then i get then i could feel the jitters
0: yeah yeah well it wasn't just but it was like the jitters but then also like he felt kind of like nauseous like kind of like you know spinning up in his head and it's like yeah you really should have and and that made me realize also that it's like i need to be way more concrete about like like saying making sure hey everybody we're we're Trying out Flow Roll this Friday at 10 a.m. Because that's that's the slot that I try and you know go for because it's an empty gym for the most part. It's very safe, like all this kind of stuff. We can control the conditions. But I need to be better about making sure, like, hey guys, nobody show up fasted. Make sure you've all eaten um, you know, at least an hour beforehand or something like that. And then two, make sure you've not fucking had three to four cups of coffee. Right. Because I, I didn't realize that would be a fucking problem, but of course it was. Anyways, but So I don't have any of this stuff like completely locked down and completely done. But then I I found myself getting distracted by the idea that like, oh, there's this tournament coming up. It's like, wouldn't it be really cool if I quickly made like a sublimated graphic or something that we could put on his gear bag or we could put on his like rash guard or something like that. But it's like that was thoughts that was that's way future state. Right. It just so happened to stumble into the realm of possibility right now. So I just. uh I caught myself being like distracted by that all week as opposed to like what I should have been doing instead.
1: Right. I mean, there's definitely putting like the cart before the horse. Right. Yeah. Right. I, there's a joke. There's, I know a joke about that and I'm going to forget it. But I'm going to cut this out <laughs> anyway.
0: Edit. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, why can't you put, why can't you teach a horse philosophy?
0: Oh yeah, she can't put Then you're putting big cart in front before of the, the horse. horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, that was dumb.
1: Worth it. Keeping it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but but let me ask you this: Do you have a logo? Do you have uh, graphics? Do you have? Do you have a logo? Do you have a logo? No. Do you have graphics? Do you have? You know. Nope. Then what's.
0: And to that to that end it's like I could make a logo and graphics but I'm still to your point not even completely sold on flow roll. Right. Like, so I it, think it just
1: wouldn't have made sense. The idea you had is a good idea, going to a tournament having, you know, a chart, a person, you know, yeah. sponsored by your product and technically. Yeah. And seeing what the results are like hey, that's a great idea but it is definitely something down the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I I caught myself so that was kind of where because then all of these, like what Paul Graham says in his essay to to draw it full circle back to that. It's like, what he's saying is when you bring in all these other kind of ideas and now you're changing what's at the top of your mind. And so I caught myself for like, basically for two weeks, I had changed what was at the top of my mind. And I was thinking about something that was way abstract, like way outside of the scope of what I really need to be accomplishing right now. So I I kind of wanted to just get your thoughts on that. Because I was like, maybe I'm just a really shitty multitasker. Like maybe I'm just not very good at that sort of thing. But it sounds to me that, you know, whether it's, you know, modern psychology, or even yourself, it's like, there's only so much multitasking quote unquote that you're really supposed to be doing. It's like, ultimately it does come down to single tasking, sock, sock, shoe, shoe.
1: Right. And I, I do think once you have your, your shoes on, shoes and socks on, then you can multitask. Then mm-hmm. like, you're ready to, like you you're on solid ground. You have both your, your feet are warm. They're protected from the elements. Then yeah. you could, then you could start your journey forward and then multitask mm-hmm. and be like, cause you have that foundation that you've already established. Yeah. Where yeah. You, you focused on how you want your product to be. You, you focus on your formulation. And then I assume you're going to focus on what does this mean? Like, what do, who do I want this to be for? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the mission statement behind this right. supplement? And then you're, you're going to have these two pillars to kind of move forward and kind of motivate other people's actions when they bring their skill set to the table.
0: Mm-hmm. So everything kind of comes from those kind of, as you called them, pillars. Like, those are, those yep. are the things that those are, are your really... Feet. Those are your, <laughs> man, this is a mixed metaphor. Oh man. It's like one second, they're pillars. The next second, they're feet. <laughs> Aren't feet
1: hmm. ba- basically pillars though? No, you're lazy at the pillars. I don't
0: know, man. Um Yeah, but I'm uh, in, in that sort of regard. It's weirdly, I am excited about 2021, not just because, you know, this year has kind of been a garbage fire for multiple reasons and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like the, the beautiful thing that this year has given me in that sort of sense is that I do have like this project and I am making headway on it and it's actually going in a direction. So the I, the way I kind of feel now, it's like way less daunting than getting started. Like, Oh, having an idea and what I want to do with it and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's way more troublesome to me than what I'm doing currently, which is like, I know what I'm doing and I, I know what my idea is. And now it's just about the execution of it. And you know, I'm, I'm getting all these, uh, like survey results, essentially, that's qualitative data, not quantitative, but uh, it's, it's a great start. So it's like, I have something now that I can execute against and kind of do something more routinely, which is allowing me to function. So it makes me think that I'm actually, I'm not, it's not like every year, you know, somebody says like, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. And then they sign a gym membership on New Year's Day or whatever. And then they're out by February. Like they basically have stopped going by February. It's like, to me, I feel like I'm not going into 2021 starting on that same fresh thing. I'm coming into 2021 with something already behind me. Right. So I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's been interesting progress, but yeah, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to distract myself too much or like try and take on too much and then do, uh, the Descartes horse.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You want to avoid the Descartes horse. At all costs.
0: Yeah. That's, avoid- but, you
1: know, but that's like, I feel like that's uh, like marketers are good at that. They're good at coming up with the image, the face of it. And then mm-hmm. they don't really think they don't care about the product. They just mm-hmm. want to, they would just want to market something. They just want to get something out there to sell and kind of move a product along, but there's no real like substance to it. Yeah. And it might look cool for a minute, but it's, it, it's never a long lasting model. I don't think to do you know, image first versus the substance of the prod product.
0: Right. And that's something um, legendary salesman, John Barrows, if if you know, John Barrows. Who doesn't know John Barrows? <laughs> um, but something that he says really frequently, which was also a really good lesson for me when I was working in that startup job, uh, that was at the top of 2020. Um, something he says is that like, if you don't fully believe in your product and you don't think it's going to do good for the people it's meant to or like for the product segments and, and stuff like that, then you have no business selling it. Right. And, and I think that that kind of applies here where it's like I don't have any business trying to think about selling it currently or anything like that because at this stage I'm still like I believe in the product and I think I can make it Fucking Great. Like, I I think the uh, things that we're doing right now are really exciting because it's uh, like, what would be the film equivalent? Like, I I guess uh, the the equivalent would be that, you know, we've done some table reads or something. And the the synergy between the actors really seems good. Is that right? Um, Sure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that that weak metaphor there it's like that's that's kind of how it feels for me right now is that like oh man these like the people that i get to routinely test with me at at uh, jiu and stuff like that like they actually seem to really like it and and that's great um taste has been a problem to be honest with you uh because not it turns out not everyone is like me and is totally fine drinking like a root tea uh so <laughs> that's that's another frontier problem that uh that i'm cause cause everyone has been telling me that they prefer to take it completely capsuled because uh-huh. I one time just brought the powder and I just ate it, but nobody was a fan of doing that. Everybody hated that. <laughs> that was, that was actually the one testing day where I got the same data across the board that everybody fucking hated that. I hated so it's that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, all right. Okay. I, I understand we're, we're not doing that again. Um, but, but it's like, I, I feel like I'm at that, uh, good point kind of table read position, but at this point, I don't... like. I have no business selling the product yet. Just like you wouldn't sell a movie that you haven't shot yet or you don't know is good or anything like that.
1: Yeah, there's a, a film company in the 80s that did that. It was called Canon Films.
0: Like Canon, like the the, the camera company?
1: No. Uh, it was a different Canon. It was... Uh, they had this crazy logo. It was like a C and like an octagon shape, and it just it, it came in like all 80s style. They did uh, like classic... 80s movies such as uh, Missing in Action, Back in Action. They did uh, Cyborg with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. They did Death Wish 2, not oh, the first okay. one, 2 through 5. There
0: they are did, five Death Wishes? Yeah, there's not enough
1: Death Wishes. They did <laughs> uh, Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone when he's an arm wrestler. Yeah. They did Masters of the Universe, that really terrible He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So what they did was they would go to the the film market, uh, which was at, at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival mm-hmm. in uh, France, and they would go with movie posters and be like, hey, we have a movie with Chuck Norris. And it's like a fancy poster that they would make with like Chuck Norris or Charles Bronson or Jean-Claude Van Damme or whatever name they could get at the mm-hmm. time. And uh, they would go and pre-sell all these movie ideas, but all they had was a poster. They had no movie. They just had a poster. Hmm. And then they would get money for it. And then they would be like, all right, everybody, hurry up and make this movie. Like, go off. You have like a month to make this movie. And then they would just crank out these terrible movies. Mm. And they, the goal was to sell more movies, to have more money come in so they could make bigger budgeted movies so they could grow to be like a Warner Brothers or a Sony, Uh-oh. just to be like a, or an MGM at the time. Sure. Just so it could be a bigger bigger movie companies. So they were like pre-selling ideas, not, not delivering on those ideas at all. <laughs> like All their movies bombed and really? yeah. And, uh, they're just trying, trying to like sell, like sell them. They, they, in their heads, they were way better than they actually were.
0: Mm, and mm-hmm.
1: I, I appreciate their, uh, guts, uh, their guts, their like passions, So like go out and make a movie. They just went out and made it. It yeah. didn't really matter if it was good or bad. They were, they're just always going out and making movies and just making it happen. But it was the, but if they like took a little time to like step back a little bit and put some little, a little bit of thought into what they were actually doing, mm. it would have been better all the way around. Also, yeah. they were um, kind of creepers. And so they made things like a little too uh, sexual Oh yeah, like in uh it was re- I guess easy to do back in the eighties, but they they did this uh they did an adaptation of uh Lady uh Lady is that what it is? Chantilly Chanterberry? Yeah. It's a yeah, really yeah. uh like sexual book from like back in the day. It's like a period piece book, right? <laughs> and it's just like they have this crazy they yeah, this girl, and I guess she was semi-famous or losing it, but she was like really addicted to drugs at the time. So she was just oh, like geez. high the whole time. And they just had her do the, these crazy sword fights without a top on. And it was <laughs> just like really bizarre stuff. Um, they, it was like, it's just like took all the Like they had no taste at all in regards yeah. to like that, that type of nudity. They just wanted it to be as sexual as possible. Yeah. 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 Which just was a, another downfall. Purposeless. It. completely purposeless. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's like really the key takeaway then is in order to like, you can't sell your product according to John Barrows, unless you really, really believe in it. And in order to really, really believe in your product, you have to focus on the content first, and then you can worry about all the auxiliary stuff, but it you, you really have to put your best foot forward in terms of what your product is, as opposed to the flash that comes with it.
1: Right. And I I do think that if, if you are taking time or energy away from building up that uh, belief in your own product and you're focusing it on other aspects and you bring other team members on their focus is going to be even less, uh, not their focus, their understanding of, you know, the belief in the product is going to be even worse because it's going to be a, a diluted yeah. representation of what you're presenting because you're like, already diluted.
0: Right. Like trophic levels, basically.
1: Exactly trophic levels. That's what I was looking for. The word I was looking for,
0: you know, like where like there's the sun's energy and the sun gives energy to plants, but they only get 10% of the sun's energy. And then a rabbit comes along and eats the grass and it only gets 10% of that 10%. And then something comes around and eats the rabbit. It only gets, so by the time that it's energetically inefficient to, to do so. Yeah. So, so it's kind of similar. It's like I can bring somebody on but at this stage in the game, it's like the the like I'm still building that that crave ability and that product that actually works and something that really like we understand and we we want to keep working on. So it's it would be they would be getting a diluted version of that. And I'm already diluted to that point, like a D I L U T E D D.I.L.U.T.E.D. diluted, not D.E.L.U.D.E.D. diluted. That was good. Come on. That was good wordplay oh my god sure too smart for the room i think that joke was too smart for the room i'm gonna go ahead and say that (sighs) cool story bro all right well uh anything to plug anything new coming up Uh, i mean obviously you're gonna go through an absolute storm of uh your recorded podcasts
1: yeah uh i got nothing coming up right now at the moment so i got nothing to plug
0: you got nothing to plug. Uh, I've got nothing to plug, but I wanted to get your thoughts on one. Like maybe this is a, a tidbit, a a ramen profitable tidbit or something. I wanted your thoughts on one particular item that's in the film world. And I wanted to see what you thought about it. OK. <clears throat> Evidently, Netflix is making a big play to try and buy um, No Time to Die, the Bond movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So that would kind of, and I know that, for instance, for other context, uh, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four is that the movie? Nineteen eighty four uh, is yeah.
1: coming to HBO Max,
0: right? It's Christmas it's, Day. It's, yeah, it's starting. It's starting as a streaming. You know, it's it's just immediately being streamed. So there was always a negative connotation during our time. Like, remember anything that went straight to VHS was basically thought of as a garbage movie like it's the kind of movie that you would find in the vhs bin at walmart that's that huge like bucket that they have near the yeah, checkout. yeah. it's like
1: three dollar and- dvds yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly so do you think that perception is being changed currently because of you know basically the removal of the movie theater from viability currently um do you think that that perception has changed and do you think we'll adopt well to direct to streaming or do you think that it'll still hold the negative connotations of basically not being in the theater? So therefore it must not be high quality.
1: I, th- I think that conception has been changing for the last couple of years, just hmm. uh, with, with streaming with <laughs> uh, all these platforms popping up, providing different ways to watch a movie. I do think what's really changed that perception is uh, television doing quality TV shows versus bins at Walmarts. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Because a part of me wants to say that DVDs are never going to die, but they're basically dead now. I mean, basically movies are dead, but uh, I'm not sure.
0: Hmm. See, here's my, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts or like my, why I'm in a, in one way, I'm excited about the idea because it's like, yeah, Netflix by no time to die was supposed to come out in April and then it was supposed to come out in November. And now it's pushed out indefinitely because basically they don't want to release without an audience because they don't want to lose on it Mm -hmm. essentially. So on the one hand, I'd be excited about the idea because, um, I, want to see the movie in a very like self-interested sort of way. I want to see the damn movie. I'm I'm it's one of the few franchises I actually care about. And uh, so therefore, I want to see it. And I think that they're taking the plot in a very unique, interesting way. They're bringing in new characters, which is fun. You know, all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, I'm too concerned that now if we make the flip to making this new movie available on Netflix, I still want to movies to come out for theaters and to have these large theatrical releases and have trailers that come out that then you're like excitedly waiting for and stuff like that. And I am kind of nervous that that maybe goes away if we start to release stuff on Netflix for immediate consumption. Uh,
1: I do think there are, we still have that. We still have a little bit of that, of the trailer excitement part where trailers are released. You know, uh, they just dropped a new trailer for the Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Like last week or something like that. Wait, I don't wait. Know.
0: The, you mean the movie that came out a couple years back, but now you're getting the Zack Snyder version.
1: Right. It's going to be four hours long.
0: Oh, what?
1: Yeah. It's going to be four hours long. He shot four hours worth of movie. That's and even worse than The
0: Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> stop it with that. <laughs> but I, this is, this is, uh. all right, this is what I'm going to say on this. I do think that there are B movies and then there's like box office movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can totally tell the difference between the two because people know who movie stars are. They know who are not movie stars anymore. Right. Like you can go out and watch a Bruce Willis movie now and it's just going to be garbage because he's going to mm-hmm. be in the movie for five minutes and it's just going to be garbage. But if you watch an older Bruce uh, Willis movie, it's going to be, it uh, could be good. could be fun. could be exciting. Like he's kind of like gotten old and cranky because he's probably like 70 now. Uh, it's just It's interesting how like We don't have that anymore though Like who are Like who are Current day movie stars
0: I don't know We still care about Brad Pitt And he's 55
1: Right I mean not that 55 is old But but No but but, but There's no like 20 year old There's no 30 year old Like movie star That can draw in an audience Like we used to have Back in the day And right. that's That's what I'm nervous about With uh, with the theater situation Mm -hmm. like wanting Mm -hmm. to go to a movie what is really going to draw people to the movies so when television first came out and the only form of like movies was to go to actual movie theater there were no there's no tv but when tv came out there was like a huge uh dip in movie numbers Mm because people had their own tvs at home to watch whatever they wanted or what was available on the three channels so what they did at the movies was they made it a, a spectacle they made yeah, it widescreen. Right. It was cinemascope. Right. It was like huge epics like Ben-Hur. And they just, things you could only watch in the theaters, Yeah, you could watch in the theaters. I think we've reached the point where you can watch something just as good at home as you can in the theater. Mm. And there's, there's like no, I don't know what the next new thing is going to be. It's definitely not 3D. No. Because that's come and gone multiple times.
0: Yeah, 3D I feel like has come and gone three times. Once in the 80s, once in the 90s, and then once in the well, 2000s. Right. So we basically did it every decade and none of those times was I really compelled by anything like the technology isn't quite there in that what the end goal is to be completely immersed in the movie as if you are there without having any interaction on what's going on. Right. So until we get one of those things and I mean that's really where that kind of future development is going to come into play because right now like do you know about projection mapping.
1: I do know about projection mapping
0: oh wait we know the same guy that's (laughs) why
1: we know the same guy
0: we know the same guy who by the way he looks insane right now because he he decided to do a reverse mohawk or an inverse mohawk i don't know what you'd call it so it's like basically he just has the center of his hair buzzed out and then he has hair growing from here out like he's decidedly a a strange person like he has decided to be a a weirdo (laughs) good for him yeah, good for him, but basically I think that's the next frontier for that kind of element of of, you know, I don't think they're going to try and do 3D the same way they did before where it's like I remember uh in the what is that like 2009 I would guess or something like that. You it talk was talking start... Uh I I forget when Avatar came out, but it was it was right on the heels of Avatar for sure. Right. Like, but they started putting out movies that, uh, because at least Avatar, Avatar was 3D, right?
1: Yeah, it was like a different type of 3D.
0: Yeah, but it had actual applications, like it had reasons to be 3D. It was, it was like, it was trying to do something immersive, whereas there was a whole bunch of copycat movies that came out directly after that were just doing it just to do it. Like, oh, now the truck's coming right at you. But like, but that would be the extent of it, you know? And there was this movie called My Bloody Valentine, That was a remake of the old one and the old one. And that's how I know that 3D was attempted multiple times. The old one was one of the ones from uh, the eighties that had 3D on it. And so then they made the new one and they did 3D, but it was like so pointless. Like it wasn't actually even good use of the technology or anything. It was just like, they cut in a couple clips here and there with that effect in mind. And then that was it. It was just like so cheap and tawdry. So I really hope that, you know, whatever the next thing, if it's, if we are moving away from the movie theater, which we might be, unless, you know, vaccines come and basically erase 2020, it's is going to
1: be a year till that happens, though. Yeah, definitely. But no, but like, it's, it's what, what drives people to the theater? Like, what makes people want to go to the theater? Yeah. And it's, it's, it, 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 it can't just be these big, Event movies, these Avengers versus Avengers versus X Men <laughs> versus yeah. Justice League, it, like, it, like it's gotten to the point where the, they're, they're even so big, like, mm. what can they do to top what how, how big they've gotten? Mm-hmm. And this is my problem with America at the moment. <laughs>
0: Damn, that should be that should have been the start of a, of a <laughs> mini episode or of a YouTube clip right there <laughs> so. I
1: mean, we're always constantly focused on growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but what's the end goal? We don't really think about, you know, what happens when we peak like what do we do then?
0: Mm. And so
1: I, I'm, con- I'm concerned about we don't have any new movie stars. I think we need new movie stars. I'm concerned yeah. We don't have any new characters to fall in love with we're living in a nostalgia world because we don't want to live in the modern times. We want to go back yeah, to just the 80s franchises. and 90s. Right? Yeah. And so I'm concerned about those things. And I think those are the things that are going to kill the theater more so than this virus. And we have to figure out a way to figure out some sort of story or movie or event that will actually draw people to a theater again. <laughs> and maybe it's not just one. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's three in a month in one weekend. Maybe we need to go back to that. Yeah. I don't know if you remember back in the day, I remember you could go watch like Raiders of the Lost Ark and then Batman, they like came yeah. out the same weekend. Yeah. It wasn't one a weekend like it is now how they stagger everything.
0: Right, that's what um Guy Ritchie was saying in uh that one interview where he was saying that like now you have to basically be like, "Oh, well, I can't release that weekend because Star Wars comes out that weekend." And oh I can't release that weekend because Avengers comes out that weekend. So you need to like find your own isolated date to basically not compete.
1: Right. And it's Mm. because they make less movies. They're making 52 movies basically a year. If one comes out a weekend, they're basically making 52 movies. So Mm. it used to be 150 movies. It used to be 200 movies. It used to be 500 movies a year. So it's, it's a big mess. And I think, I think we're just kind of trapped in a weird funk and this pandemic's not helping. Because we all just want to go back to normal, but normal was not that great, I think, for the movie
0: business. Yeah. For a lot of business, to be honest with you. Yeah. But anyways. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how it all pans out. I mean.
1: But I do want to see No Time to Die as well. Yeah. But I also think it's probably one of the few movies that would actually draw an audience to the theater. with daniel craig and james bond so yeah
0: it's it's enough of a like james bond i think is enough of a draw that it would still bring people out i feel like but then the problem is you know uh for instance like there was that really good thread that i thought like uh what's the name of the guy who did uh get out and uh
1: Uh, peel jordan peel
0: yeah it's like I thought those were good movies, but I just don't see how those would be drawing crowds, really. And so I think that's going to be relegated all the way back to just...
1: But they, they did draw crowds. And I think the yeah. difference with his movies is he only spent like $4 million on Get Out. Really? Yeah, that's, that's all he spent on that movie was $4 million.
0: It, relatively, that's not a big budget at all.
1: No, I mean, you compare it to... Uh, let's look that up. Furious. let Furious. Let's look up the other movie that he was in that I think he wrote. Do you know what I'm talking about? Us? Uh, no, he he uh, was in Keanu.
0: Oh, that's right, the Cat movie,
1: the Cat movie where he had like, a kitten. Let's yeah. look at that budget. Let's see. Where is it? They changed all the box office info too. So they spent fifteen million million on Keanu, They didn't make that much. It only made twenty million. I thought they spent more on Keanu but I think that the thing I'm trying to say is we should spend less money making movies and make a more quality movie as opposed to like a quantity movie yeah, where we're spending yeah. $400 million and we have every actor in the world on it. It's like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I never understand those. Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, blockbuster. No, th- no, that I understand. Uh, not anthology. Uh, uh, It's an A word, though. Oh, no, it's not an A word. It's an E word. Ensemble.
1: Oh, the ensemble cast?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so those movies that it's like, oh, it's all these famous people, and it's Earth Day, and uh, they're all doing their stuff for Earth Day, and then it turns out that all their plots are interconnected. You know those movies.
1: Yeah, or it's Labor Day.
0: Right, exactly. And it's like, I never really got those, and I never understood. uh, Yeah, never seen any of them. Those have to be ludicrously expensive because it's like, Oh, you've got Sandra Bullock and Jamie Foxx and Christopher Walken and, you know, whatever. It's like they just try and jam so many people into that movie. It's like your overhead off the top is enormous.
1: They must make money if they kept doing it.
0: Yeah, must have. All right. Well, nothing to plug on my end. Chris Scott has nothing to plug on his end. We will catch you next time on Ramen Profitable.